You're listening to Comedy Central. Tarana Burke, Dr. Brene Brown, welcome to the Daily Social Distancing Show. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Um, it is very seldom that I have two guests simultaneously on the show. It is also very rare that I have two guests who I hold in such high regard at the same time on the show. Tarana Burke, many people are familiar with you as the founder of the Me Too movement and Time Person of the Year. Dr. Brene Brown, many people are familiar with your work through your podcast or one of your five New York Times bestsellers where you talk about everything trauma-related, childhood-related, life-related. So thank you both of you for joining me on the show because you've come here with a really interesting project where you've, you've worked together to compile an anthology, a collection of essays that gives us insights into trauma and how it affects people throughout their lives, specifically black people living in the present day. And before we get to that, can I just say congratulations on proving something that a lot of people don't realize you can do in America, and that is have a born and bred New Yorker work with a proud Texan. I didn't know that was possible. Congratulations, ladies. That was the biggest hurdle of them all. Exactly. <laughs> so, so talk me through this. Um, how did this even come to be? Like, like, how do you begin a journey where you say, you know what, we're gonna get together, combine our shared experiences as people and create a book that is gonna help people to deal with the traumas that they might not even know that they've had to deal with in life? Well, starts with vulnerability, right? <laughs> I had to, to be vulnerable enough to, to reach out to Brene, um, who I call a friend, and and really during the during a tough time last summer when we were dealing with George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and all the uprisings, and I kept feeling away about the fact that Black people kept being called on for their expertise and teach us how to be anti-racist and teach us how to be different, but nobody was creating spaces to human to respond to what was happening to go through the cycles of. Um, that that kind of trauma brings to you. And and it felt like we needed a soft place to land. Like we needed a place to have, to 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 talk about how this we were affected by it. You know, on, on your side, um, Dr. Brown, or Brene as you'd like to be called, um, you you come from this, from this world where you've, you've spent so many years researching the human condition. You know, how we react to things that have happened to us our entire lives, how we respond to that, how we change, how we react to other people. On your side, as a doctor, what is trauma? I, you know, I think of trauma as a truck bumping me or going to war or something. When you say everyone has trauma or might have trauma, what, what does that actually mean? Well, yeah, I think it's a really important premise for this book because I, I really study mostly vulnerability, shame, and courage. And so one of the things that I've learned is that the greatest casualty of trauma is the willingness or ability to be vulnerable. Mm. And so when I work with vets or I work with other folks who are hard for me to be vulnerable, of course I can't take the armor off because I've seen this and I've done this. But what people don't realize is that white supremacy is trauma. Systemic poverty is trauma. And so what we end up doing is we end up saying, look, hey, you need to be more vulnerable. You need to take the armor off. But P.S., you're not safe doing that. Right. And so that means, so when we say to people, especially people who have to deal with racism every day, be vulnerable, it's not the same ask as when someone says to me, take the armor off, you're self-protecting. Well, yeah, it's right, right. not on the line. Maybe my ego, maybe, you know, but my life is not on the line. So I think Tarana said, let's, let's dig in right there. 
Toronto, from your side, what I've always enjoyed about your work is that you've dug into the specificity of what people are going through. You know, not going broad, but actually going, okay, if it's Me Too, what are women going through during this time? What have they experienced in these spaces and how do we deal with that? It's no different in this book. You've gone into the specificity of what black people are experiencing. But what I've found in life is oftentimes when you go into the specificity, ironically, it starts to connect with more people generally. And so I'd love to know from your side, Tarana, have you found things where you go like, black people are going through this, but wait, I also find that some white people don't even realize that they've been affected by this thing. And, and then some people from other communities have been affected by this thing. Have, have you found that happening? Absolutely. I, one of the things I've said about this book is that we could do this exact book for different communities. We could have a book about shame, vulnerability, and the queer experience. And you know, this is at the end of the day about our humanity. And when you are just connecting to the part that's about our humanity, then you understand it really is a universal story. There's nuance to it though, right? Because the way that I show up in the world is deeply affected by the, the systems that are in place to make me feel less than and not worthy to make my life be in danger, right? So I have a different story to tell, but we're all, white supremacy affects everybody, not just black people, right? Racism affects everybody. And so it is, it is including the per the perpetuators of it. Right. <laughs> you know? um, so there's a this is this is really about the expansion and people really it being more invested in Black humanity. We we talk Brene and I talked about this and I mentioned in the book that I I think anti racism work is important, but I think there's steps to take before we get to that. And I don't want it to be reduced to a checklist to people saying, oh, I read this book and I saw this podcast and I follow this person on social media. So I got it. I'm anti-racist. But you really haven't engaged with black humanity. One of the contributors that says that uh, anti-racist work is not transactional, it's relational. Oh, oh. Yeah. Ico. Ico. Right. And that is that's such an important thing to understand when engaging with this book. This is not just a book to read because you feel bad about, you know, Breonna Taylor. This right, is a right, book right. to read because of who you are as a human being and how you want to show up in the world in relation to other human beings and seeing Black people in our fullness, right? I, I honestly feel like the first, the first reader, the first, um, this is an offering to Black people first because we also need to see our humanity um, right. You know, like engage in our own humanity and see it appreciated and find spaces to, to, to be expansive in that. So I want us to read it and, and appreciate this as an offering first. Yeah, I mean, when, when I look at the list of names who have contributed to this series of essays, it's, 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 it's a wide tapestry of people who have been connected through maybe the color of their skin, but their experiences go far and, and, and broad beyond that. Like for instance, Laverne Cox, you know, uh, Mark Lamont Hill, Austin Channing Tatum, you know, Jason Reynolds. Um, and then your own child, we've got uh, Kaya Nadira who, who shares stories. And, and I think that's, that's what really touched me is in reading some of these stories is how vulnerable and how vulnerable and sharing the people are. It's terrifying. It is really scary to share some of these stories because A, you go, am I sharing too much? B, you go, what is the purpose of me doing this? And, and, and then C, I often think it must be hard to realize some of these things as you're putting them into words. So, Brene, on your side, two, I guess it's a two-part question. Number one, how do we live in a world where we become more aware of this for each other as people and go like, hey, I'm gonna give you the space to try and talk about these things and, and I guess make it just a safer place to be in? And, and secondly, how can we as people 
try and identify those shortcomings that we have. Yeah, I just remember this crazy moment when we started getting the essays in and I called Tarana and I was like, have you read any? She's like, yeah, I've read 10. I said, me too. And she, I said, what do you think? And she goes, I'm learning a lot about blackness that I didn't know. And I said, I'm learning a lot about my mother that I didn't really like wow. I, about my relationship with my family that I didn't know. So I, I really, here's the thing. We share stories with people who've earned the right to hear them. And we share them in space, you know, just because vulnerability feels like a privilege right now doesn't mean, I mean, there are really extreme consequences. The data are very clear that vulnerability is inextricably connected to intimacy, trust, love, belonging, um, courage. And so I think the commitment is how do we create workplaces and schools and communities where armor is neither required nor rewarded? Right. And, and that's the question. I think for white folks, the question I have all the time is when you see something that's, I think, blatant dehumanization, what story do you have to tell yourself to be okay with that? What, what, story, what story are you making up whether it's, you know, we'll go back, I've done work with, you know, some of the parents from Sandy Hook, whether it's Sandy Hook or it's George Floyd or it's Micaiah Bryant, what story do you have to say to yourself to release yourself from any ownership or be okay with what's happening? Wow. Yeah, that one always takes me out too. That's, we all yeah. should ask ourselves that question. It's a narrative, you know, what is it? When people are going to be reading these stories, some will read it as a them story. Some will read it as a, oh, information story. But but some might go, well, what, what, what do you want me to take from it? Tarana, do you have an idea of what you'd like for people to absorb once they're finished reading other people's stories? Yeah, I think it goes back to the, to the question of humanity. I think that it is a way for us to be more connected, but also I think to see black people not as a monolith, we say that all the time, black people aren't a monolith. You have lots of data here that shows you that that's, that that's true, that we are fully human and we are, to your point about like wanting people to understand the nuance and the, and the depth of the experience of these various things, I think that's what the book does and I think that's the offering. We, we can talk about white supremacy all we want and we can we hear that word and people either repel or they or they get it. But when you understand that somebody is really fearful for their three year old child because of white supremacy or we're fearful about how we show up in the, you know, these, the way this is going to affect us in the world because of white supremacy is very different than just hearing it or seeing a meme on the internet. And I really want people to really connect and engage with the stories and understand and put that in the context of all the things you've been learning about anti-racist this or whatever about white supremacy, all the stuff that's been coming up, intersectionality, I think it really is personifies those things. And I want people to, to see that. Yeah, I, I, I love that. I, I mean, if we end on that note, I think for me, sometimes the conversations we have can be very academic in how we talk about some of these things. But what I enjoyed about these stories is it's stories. Every human being understands a story. And even if you don't have some of the fancy academic terms, which I often don't have to express them, I think we all know how to be human beings. And when a human being is being a human being, it reminds us that we are too. So um, thank you both for joining me on the show. Tarana Burke, always a pleasure. Dr. Brene Brown, wonderful meeting you. 
Um, good luck with the book, and hopefully I'll see you both again. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Thanks, y'all. Bye. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.